Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Hot Takes. I'm your Lodge Master. With me as always is Brother Bishki. And Brother Lucas. The movie is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And nobody vetted this. I just saw the poster. I saw that it was getting some interesting mutterings going online. And I saw that it was like 83 minutes. (laughs) So here we are in Snow Hollow, boys. Just the three of us. What are we getting ourselves into? (laughs) We're getting Robert Forster's last movie is what we're getting into. It is. It is. We must respect the Forster. This is his final film appearance. And uh, it is always nice to see him, even though it was bittersweet knowing this was the last one. I had zero awareness of this movie until you recommended it. And I saw the poster online, but just the poster. Right. And it looked pretty dark. And so I thought, okay, this is, I think, like a straight horror movie with that title and that poster. Mm-hmm. And then it started. And I didn't recognize any of the names or companies involved in like making this. Well, what about that soothing, beautiful Orion Pictures logo at the oh, very yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, 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 I recognize that. I beg your pardon. I, so I was like, oh. That this. was just for you. That was to set <laughs> Lucas at ease going into this. You're right. I was he like, didn't oh, even this remember must it. be a big budget movie. But then <laughs> when it started, I was like, wait a second. Like, what is the genre of this movie? Like, I wasn't (laughs) clear on whether I was supposed to be scared or if I was supposed to be laughing. And what's interesting is typically you figure it out pretty quick. You're like, oh, it's a comedy. You're like, oh, it's you're flipping through the channels and you come across the station like you odds are you'll know what it is. But with this, I want to say I watched it for like 20 25 30 minutes trying to guess and you still didn't know (laughs) if it was like a straight horror or if it was supposed to be funny and i think i finally settled on that it's supposed to be funny and then i somehow intuitively without even looking it up and confirming knew that like the the sheriff or like the lead actor was probably like the writer director and like like tommy wiseau was like making his opus with all his friends because it felt like every actor with the exception of robert forrester were like friends of his and i don't even think they paid robert forrester they probably just you know gave him gave him some money to like Get some soup. (laughs) What I think Lucas is getting at is that this is what we need to talk about. We need to talk about Jim Cummings, who is indeed the writer-director star. And right off the bat, you realize the acting is almost perversely uneven. And this has to do a bit with him because, as with any writer-director star... The stakes go up as to if you can do all at the same time equally Mm -hmm. so as not to let down one of those very, very important pillars. And as an actor, he is 
shall we say, an interesting actor. I wouldn't <laughs> say he's a believable actor necessarily. And he definitely doesn't have any gravitas. He's like Chris Isaac in Twin Peaks, like on crack or something. Like he he just reminds yes. me of that character. And I felt like this movie in particular was biting a lot from Twin Peaks and Fargo or John Landis or something. But like it was confusing. It was actually confusing because I was like, what movie in the past that you can think of was was like had, like that had a lead character that was basically an asshole, like a jerk that was yeah. ende endearing or charming. And there's like none with the exception of Steve Martin's the jerk, but that's different. But like he plays it in such a hostile, like toxic masculine way where I'm like, how is this supposed to be funny? Like who told you that this was comedy? It's definitely trying to be a comedy. I mean, there's no there's no two bones about that. But he's a little too young to be a believable dad to a, you know, late teens girl. And he doesn't have any sort of grizzle to him or grit, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking the way you solve all that is you get an Adam Sandler type to play his character semi-seriously. Then you got the hostile man-child masculinity thing covered, but you also have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of weather to the eyes that this guy just doesn't have. So yeah. I don't know. That's that's what I kept thinking. No, I, I knew we were yeah. kind of in trouble with this guy, Jim Cummings, right when he gave himself an <laughs> he gave himself an audition scene like in his first scene, yeah. he's at an yeah. AA meeting and he gives a monologue right off the bat about how he's struggling with alcoholism for like five minutes. And I'm like, yeah. this, this is going to be the Jim Cummings show. And it definitely is. It's he kind of he, he kind of railroads every scene like to be his own. You know, I, I, like I said, uh, it's basically like every scene seems designed for his acting reel. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's like if Quentin Tarantino made it a deal breaker that he had to play Mr. Orange, no matter what. <laughs> Imagine that version of Reservoir Dogs. It's <laughs> it's horrible. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's the problem you run into when you're sh when you're shepherding a project. You're the writer director, and you you reach for that star. You got to make sure you got the goods, man, or else you're going to be in trouble. The whole thing's going to get a little wobbly. But even with all of that. You have a choice to make when you watch these low-budget, oftentimes horror movies. you got to make that decision whether you're going to be on the movie's side and you're going to root for it because you know how hard it is to make these fucking things. Or you're going to just be totally anti-love and light with it. And when I watched this movie, the election had just been called for Biden. I was in a good mood, euphoric mood. And I saw a shot with a with the moon reflecting in a pool of blood in a giant wolf print in the snow. And I was like, hey, that's an ambitious shot. They're putting on a show. Let's go. That lasted for a little while, too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I was in the same boat where I uh, started it. And, and yeah, there's some interesting camera moves, some cool slow like zoom ins or something. It was like with Becky, like there was a mind to the technical craftsmanship of this thing and to the editing, which we can also get into. There's a lot of over slow-mo slow stuff. 
And there's a lot of very strange editing choices that that happen with this. Yeah, like cross-cutting, like these weird flashbacks that like are jarring because it's like nighttime and daytime for some of them. And you're like, what's what am I looking at? Like, I mean, he intercuts every werewolf kill with the post-mortem investigation the next day, which is a weird thing. The only thing, the reason I can think that he did that is they just didn't have the budget to do a werewolf kill. So they're like, let's just. I don't agree. The- I don't no? agree. Okay. Okay. I think that true. They didn't have a huge budget, but they, they also knew when to show the wolf and when to obscure the wolf. Like they were very budget conscious. I think that these intercuttings were Jim Cummings, the director thinking it's a clever, fun way to turn the standard kill on its head and intercut the post-mortem investigation with the actual killing, which on paper could be very interesting. In your mind's eye, it could be very interesting. And when it first happened in this, I thought it was very interesting. And I was I was like, oh, kudos. Again, you're trying something different. I'm supporting that tonight at least. But then he does it again. And it becomes a motif. Mm -hmm. And when you do that and you have so few kills as it is, you know, the second werewolf kill, I thought the the woman was going to get away. But the second you smash cut to Detective Cummings seeing her body in the morgue, you're like, oh, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All the tension's gone. Yeah. So it's 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 him, the director, fighting him, the writer on that one. I was kind of shocked that we were watching it because I felt this was definitely student feature certified. Oh! Ooh, student feature certified. And I was I was trying to remember what you initially had mentioned, but I couldn't. And then I was like, well, let me see. Maybe it had like a below you know, uh, 30% like Rotten Tomatoes or something. (laughs) No, sir. And when when I looked it up and saw that it had 89% fresh uh, critics and like 78% fresh like audience, I was flabbergasted. I was like, are we watching the same movie? Because I'm just not on board. Like I just, this is, it was a chore. Like it became very hard for me to watch the more it went on. I was like, oh man. I can only attribute that 89%. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it's Robert Forrester's final film. Like, are you going to, are you going to leave Robert Forrester with a, a 30% rating? Like, you know, on Rotten Tomatoes, like, are you going to (laughs) diss? But also good point. But also, you guys are being grumpy because <laughs> you're not realizing that we are now deep in what I assume to be the first wave of COVID. Yes. yes. And yeah. the drip is getting thinner and thinner with these movies that we're covering. <laughs> and nowadays, if you try something, if you just try something different with the format, like Jim Cummings did, he tried. You can't say he didn't try to do something different with this. And even just trying to do something mildly different gets way more praise than it would in the before times. Like, this probably wouldn't even make a blip anywhere in the before times. No. But just like with that movie, The Wretched. That was number one at the box oh, office <laughs> for a few weeks. I graded that on that? a curve. I remember, yeah, I remember grading that on a curve because I think I saw that was one of the last films I think I saw in the theater. 
we're living in a curve right now. So all I'm saying is maybe it was the Biden on my mind, but I decided to give this a chance. At a certain point, he goes to the library to study werewolves. And that's where I felt the movie. I, I, I felt I was like snooze. I was like, this is laundry folding certified. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Student feature and laundry folding. <laughs> I just wanted to drop that. <laughs> I, I like the research montage. I wrote down very ambitious and pretty cool. That's what I wrote down about the big research montage. Okay. Because you're seeing ghosts of the victims he couldn't save wandering around. It's snowing in the library. I mean... That was- That was another thing that the snow location, I kept thinking like, did the financier financiers only write them a check if they filmed it in the dead of winter? Because it like seems so miserable to be shooting in that kind of weather. And I felt so bad for Robert Forrester and some of the exteriors. Forrester probably loved it. He probably loved it. Let's imagine that he had a great time. But what about his arthritis, though? Did did, did arthritis (laughs) love it? It was shot in like a small town in Utah. I like the location, but it had a problem that I have with many small town movies is they clearly shipped in everyone from L.A. Like all the actors, as Lucas mentioned, all the actors were Jim Cummings friends. They all came out from L.A. And it was nobody had a small town feel in this movie, which happens in a lot of small town movies that I see. Yeah. I wrote down an LT trigger alert. This movie gives no fucks and the wolf kills a little kid. What did you think about that? That trigger you at all? No, you know, I... Uh, Were I, you sleeping? No. Were you no, sleeping during that? No, I think I was just like so against the movie. I just like blocked that <laughs> that part out or, or whatever. Wow. Um, I just remember like thinking, man, this looked like no fun to shoot in the wintertime. Like, period. Like, absolutely. Sure, sure. Uh, Throughout, like we said, like this is it's attempting to blend horror and comedy in a weird way. I think that's that's a lot of what is being talked about on the internet is that, oh, it's a it's another horror comedy, which don't come around that often. I mean, the movie's got jokes, it's got a WikiLeaks joke, it's got a John McEnroe joke, it's got a Teen Wolf joke. But towards the end, there's like these emotional scenes with the dude and his daughter that I I really lost track of what was what the movie was trying to be or trying to do at those points. Yeah, like and she even was, slaps him at one point, which is kind of crazy. It's trying to be like three movies at once. And I don't know why you would do that to yourself. But yeah. again, you know, if you're in a good mood, you chalk it up to ambition and keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he, the guy is just, he's a jerk, as 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 Lucas mentioned. And it's tough to, if you're going to put your central character as just this kind of total dick who just kind of bulldozes yeah. every scene by yelling at people. Like, yeah. there's a, there's any kind of, the movie kind of knows that, but it doesn't, like, there's a, there's a line that says, knock it off with this shit. You're making everybody miserable. I'm like, yeah, you're making the viewers <laughs> miserable yeah. with your shit. Well, there's a final confrontation. We won't get into it too much because, you know, from your guys' perspective, why bother? But why from bother? my perspective, but from my perspective, I think the poster is going to trick a few LodgeCast listeners into watching it because it's a classy poster. But 
the final confrontation had some Manhunter vibes that I liked. And like Zodiac too. Yeah, a little bit of Zodiac. Zodiac vibes, people putting shit together, realizing shit. But the movie pulls its supernatural punch at the end and it feels like Scooby Doo or some shit. Like, yeah. I, I was not a fan of that particularly. Same. Same. So it felt like a bait and switch because, because, yeah, it wasn't set up properly and there was no, there's not enough clues to really make the twist convincing. Not convincing and not satisfying, which is tough. Like, I really feel like if you want with these, with these movies that, that word of mouth is going to be their salvation, you got to really try to end strong. You know, you really don't want to shrug at the end of your especially horror movie. You know, like it's not going to help. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It, it The bloom was off the rose for me by the end, but I was trying my damnedest to give it that love and light. But I don't know how it's going to end up in my bone count. I just don't know yet. Mm. The only way to find out is let's go to them wolf bones. <laughs> oh, oh. I think we start with Brother Bishki on this one. Yeah, I knew we were in trouble right off the bat. This is a cheapy. <laughs> we had a low cheapy. rent. We had a low rent Channing Tatum dude, bro. Oh, uh, we do, don't we? At the and beginning. His, and, his, and his girlfriend, and his girlfriend gets taken out by a werewolf, but we don't really see it because you don't get to see any of the kills because they don't have the effects for it. So this is low rent VOD Fargo meets American Werewolf in London. Uh, nowhere anywhere near those two movies or any Coen Brothers movie mm. for that matter, which is trying to um, write a director star, Jim Cummings. Almost had a Jeremy Saville quality from Laquisha yes. for me. Like, not I was as just looking that up just now. Ooh. I was just yeah. looking that name up and you hit the nail oh, on yeah. the head. No. Yeah. I mean, he's not as reprehensible, but he's still oh, just. Oh, no. He's just obsessed with showing off his his acting and comedic talent, and I'm not laughing and not impressed. Um, I'm yeah, flabbergasted that this movie has 89% Rotten Tomato score. It was great to see Robert Forrester, even though Jim Cummings tries to steal the scenes from him, kind of. Um, but <laughs> in it's memory, true. it's all true. In memory of Robert Forrester, I'm going to give it yes. the Roger Ebert Memorial Half Bone. This was... Oh, wow. Yeah. Ro Jim Cummings just derailed this for me, and oh. he's got a hell of an acting reel from it, but it's not uh, not my cup of tea. I, I, I was not on board. So uh, rest in peace, Robert Forrester. This movie... Has no stain on you on you whatsoever. You are a god of <laughs> acting, and Jackie Brown is forever one of my favorites, along with many other films. But that he was in. Wow, Bishki just eviscerated it. Just like laying a waste. Werewolf. Wow. Just laying waste. I didn't. I did not see that coming. I uh, knew it was coming from Lucas, but yeah. not from Bishki. Lucas, what are you? What are you doing? You got any half bones in, in your boop, satchel? Boop, 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 boop. Oh man. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Bishki, uh, is barking up the right tree with Jeremy Saville because I, I literally was Googling his name because I, I blocked it out. I was like, you know, uh, when I, when I, when I realized instantly that the filmmaker I was watching was the actor on screen, it's so crazy. I swear to God, like I just knew it before I Googled it. And when I Googled it, I was like, yes, yes. Like, 
it makes sense because this is like Tommy Wiseau, you know, Ed Wood, Neil Breen, uh, Jeremy oh Saville. Like this falls into <laughs> guys, this falls into the fetish porn. You guys are the, overkilling the, 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 this guy. <laughs> the the fetish porn category for me, where you're watching some guy's you know favorite porn essentially, which is like manic, angry loud slapstick you know jim carrey and me myself and irene or adam sandler and the water boy type scenes and it's it's so grating and it and it's so just tone deaf like it's just not funny and it's weird yeah like the the tone is uneven and it's weird because it'll go from drama to comedy to you know legitimate rage or or anger and so even at 88 minutes or however short it is, you know, in terms of running time, it feels so much longer because I just don't want to spend time with this guy. And then, yeah, with the with the the werewolf uh, setup and kills like it's it's all chopped up. So you're right. There's no real tension. It never really gets scary. And then the resolution to that is straight out of Scooby Doo and, and not very satisfying. So I have to give this <laughs> a, a woof, a woof. <laughs> A werewolf. A wolf. Werewolf. A werewolf. Oh my god! You even ate the bones. You stripped the flesh <laughs> and you ate the bones. There's just a little half bone left. Well, sorry, I recommended this. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys had to fucking sit in the snow and watch this. But listen, again, I was rooting for it. I was high on Biden. But I knew something smelled good in Stinkville as well. And that goodness that I smelled was ambition. It's trying to be a little funny. It's got a line where the dude at the beginning, the low-rent Channing Tatum, tells the cop, if you find him, don't arrest him. Shoot him until you can see the ground through his face. It's a great line. It's a badass line. And that's an effect you get to see. You get to see the ground through someone's face. So, listen, is it a good movie? I don't know. Did it pass the 83 or 87 or 88 minutes amiably well? Yeah, for me, it did. So, the ambition alone gives it a bone for me. And I'm going to give Robert Forrester that half bone that we've established for his legacy. And that's going to bring me to one and a half bones. And I think I feel at peace with that rating. There is your 89% right there, folks. That's how you get there it. Is. That's how you get the 89%. <laughs> a million half bones add up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where Jim Cummings goes, and it might be a path that I go and walk alone. I'm at a zen piece with that. Oh, we should be watching such better movies in November. But anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> Prestige season's coming up. It's dark. <laughs> uh, this is going to make somebody's top 10 list. That's true. That's true. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, that's the uh, the wolf of Snow Hollow, folks. Love and light and keep your silver bullets loaded, y'all. Love and light from the full moon. Oh. oh.